0: This is KHOI Story City Ames, and you are listening to I Am Able Iowa, where we discuss the ability and disability. I'm Anna Magnuson, your host for today. Daniel Hedendorf and Meredith Frankham, our co-hosts, are through the power of Zoom joining us. Woohoo! So today we're going to have our guests introduce themselves, and so I'm going to start with Justin. Justin, who are you? What's going on? What's happening? What's shaking? What's your last name?
1: Well. That's a lot of questions in one there, Anna. So uh, my name is Justin Bogers, uh, representing the Fletcher Foundation today. I'm a board member with the Fletcher Foundation. We're a a small organization based in Ankeny. Uh, Our role is to help walk alongside families during their time of grief and experiencing miscarriage or stillbirth. So the Fletcher Foundation offers uh, emotional support and financial support particularly we are helping to cover some of the medical costs associated with miscarriage and stillbirth for those that are going through that experience, but also trying to make sure that we're giving hope and love and support to those during that experience as well. Our board members that are part of this organization several of us have that lived experience and that's how I got tied to the organization so uh, very proud to be here very proud to share more about what's going on with the Fletcher Foundation and our upcoming 5k but uh, Justin Boger super excited to be here the Fletcher Foundation
0: all right Stacy and Carla Carly do you want to fight it out as to who goes first
2: Hey, I'm Stacey Peterson. I'm the nurse manager for maternal child services at Mary Greeley Medical Center. Um, so I manage birthways, which is our labor and delivery unit, um, p- our pediatric unit, and our NICU unit. Um, and I have been managing um, Carly, who has really taken the spotlight for
3: our bereavement program. My name is Carly Cousins. I am actually our bereavement coordinator for our birthways unit. Um, So I work as a labor delivery recovery and postpartum nurse. And then on top of that, in addition, I am trying to update policies and help offer um, some more changes and growth in our bereavement services we offer. Great. Well, usually what we do
0: is we have a little question to open up that really has nothing to do with anything, but actually I'm going to connect the question to Daniel's announcement before we went live about a theater performance. So I'm going to ask Meredith and Daniel to introduce themselves um, by asking the question, would you rather be on the stage in a theater performance, or would you rather be behind the scenes? And we'll start with Daniel.
4: I feel the uh, answer is pretty obvious in that one. I've been doing on-stage theater productions for the better part of a decade now, so I've tried my hand a few times at the back scene stuff, but uh, I don't know, there's something a bit... Well, I've I've learned to really uh, appreciate the the privilege of being able to be on stage and not only express oneself, but also use it as a means of storytelling because in my sort of cynical high school days it was like oh I get to be someone who isn't a teenager but nowadays again it's it's that that storytelling aspect that ability to connect with an audience to have something that can actually be remembered after they leave to have something leave a lasting impact that is the power of theater that I've learned to appreciate and that's why I always appreciate any opportunity to be on stage
0: yeah and I think also that very thing that you just said is why you're so fabulous on I Am Able Iowa that you get at the heart of storytelling and connecting people to the stories and the guests and the people and information so that's really powerful is there anything else that you want our listeners to know about you Daniel
4: uh, I'm seeking work
0: yeah but you gotta to work too. You're doing all sorts of fabulous things, and you do you like cornbread or not? We'll find out this afternoon. all right, Meredith. That's not your question as whether or not you like cornbread or not, but would you rather be on stage or behind the scenes?
5: That's a hard one. Um I like to be on stage, but I also like to boss people around <laughs> so I it depends on the scenario um Daniel's answer was so thoughtful, and mine is. So not thoughtful, but I really appreciate what Daniel said. Um, I um, haven't done theater for a long time, um, but I did a ton of it when I was in my younger days. Um, but now I have other things to do, but uh, I don't know. I, what about you, Anna? Well, love stage your, or behind it?
0: I loved your sassy answer because that's like, yes, I love that so much, and that's why you're so good on I Am Able Iowa because you're able to be in front of the camera and on the air mm-hmm. to be able to get at the same thing that what Daniel was talking about, but also okay. you're nice and bossy. You're like, so what is your name? How do you spell that? What are the questions? What's going to happen? And we need that at I Am Able Iowa to be able to make sure that we're able to honor our guests. So again, our guests are Justin and Stacy and Carly. And Justin and Stacey and Carly, I would say you can answer the question if you want to, but let's talk about you, Justin, for a second. So you talked about a personal co- connection to the Fletcher Foundation. Would you mind sharing your story about how you became connected to the mission? And would you uh, tell the mission of the Fletcher Foundation?
1: So uh, yeah, uh, let me connect it first to uh, how, how I relate to this topic. So yeah, um, As a a father of a loss, uh, our first child, uh, we we experienced a miscarriage. Now, we are uh, one of the one in four. So uh, one in four pregnancies are lost at some point uh, in in the the pregnancy journey. Uh, So we are certainly not alone. But in that moment of grief, uh, it is overwhelming and overpowering. And you do feel like you are just the only person that has ever experienced it. So from a, a father's perspective, um, I I wanted to make sure that it, it was known that, that you're certainly not alone and that you should feel uh, supported as much as possible. But I only did that for years in, in my own little vacuum. Uh, you know, those that were experiencing it or the stories that I would hear, I would try to connect to those uh, and give them support. But it wasn't until I had the opportunity to have neighbors move in uh, next door to me, and it was the Phillips. Uh, we had Matt and Haley that moved in next door. And as I got to know them, uh, my wife Heidi and I got to know them, uh, that is where we actually really started to connect more to mission-based work in support of people that have experienced miscarriage and stillbirth. Uh, I met them uh, when they moved in, but then really got to know them and was able to actually uh, have them on as a guest on the Facing Tomorrow (laughs) podcast. Uh, that was on October 8th, uh, of, uh, what was that, 2019? October 8th of 2019 at this point. Gosh, time is flying really quickly. Uh, Matt and Haley, uh, started the Fletcher Foundation and they started the Fletcher Foundation to honor their son Fletcher whom they lost at 20 weeks. Uh 20 weeks uh in in most states and Stacy and Carly tell me if I'm wrong on this number but most states would consider that the the age of stillbirth at 20 weeks just gest- gestation. Um so they lost Fletcher uh and they also had this um Overwhelming sadness, not just for the loss of their own child, but then starting to incur, incur medical debt on top of not being able to bring home a child. Uh, and they, they have seen this with families throughout the United States of, uh, families who are not just going through the grief of losing a child, either through miscarriage or stillbirth, but of then getting a, a double whammy of sorts of then experiencing the financial burden of what you would think of having a child without having that child to bring home. Uh, the story was absolutely amazing. That episode, uh, was one of the highest that, that I've uh, had viewed, and uh, listened to. Uh, and it really got me connected to wanting to support this mission so much more. Uh, they, they are doing amazing work. We have been able to uh, support, uh, Families from over 25 states. Uh, we, the, the biggest support is the state of Iowa, which I appreciate because that's home for us. So we do want to make sure that we're doing more in the state of Iowa, which will bring us back to the Fletcher's 5K and what we want to do here and why we've partnered with the Ames community specifically. Uh, but that, that was my tie. So in, uh, 2008, in uh, May 19, 2008, my wife and I lost Our first hope of a child Uh, thankfully we were able to have two more uh, and they went through full and now they're uh, 12 and 7 each so we had our our rainbow baby and a follow baby and we're super excited to be able to raise them and and love them Uh, but we will always remember that moment because that moment will be etched in our minds forever with the pain and the grief and the loss of that first attempt and and we want to make sure that people don't feel like they're alone
4: so the foundation is as you say uh, located or focused in the Ankeny area if memory serves so how do you um, how does it rather get that support to those other states is it just through communication are there financial means something like that
1: Excellent question. So uh, most of what we have seen has been individuals finding us through Google searches. We do have some support groups, and one of my main roles with the Fletcher Foundation is community outreach, which is how we got tied to Mary Greeley Medical Center. Uh, but we're trying to do that as well and reaching out to organizations that are supporting families that are going through this, typically in medical centers or clinics. or uh, There are some some niche groups in multiple states as well that are doing this kind of work. So trying to make sure that I'm connecting to those organizations, helping them understand what the Fletcher Foundation does, and then asking for those referrals to come back. Uh, The website does have an application for support that individuals can fill out. It's a a pretty short Google form, but it asks some typical questions that we would wanna make sure uh, people are in need of that support. Uh, We will do everything that we can if we receive an application to support in any way we can. Uh, We have hope boxes that we give out to all families that apply, and we also try to, to tackle that financial assistance. But more to your point, how does that financial tie come in? That's one of the biggest connections that we have is making sure that we receive a medical bill that shows that some level of insurance was covered, and it could be bare minimum, it could be something, but then the overall bill is what we are presented with and we uh, together as an organization make a determination of what we can support, the level that we can support, and that support goes directly to the hospital. So it's directly to that, uh, or excuse me, hospital or clinic, so it goes directly to the bill associated to the individual that applied. So that's the financial tie, making sure that it goes right to taking care of that bill that the family has, has incurred.
5: So you mentioned that twenty weeks is technically stillbirth. Um, Carly and Stacy, can you maybe talk to some of the um, the the parameters surrounding miscarriage versus stillbirth? What's the difference? What is it?
3: Um, So the definition for a difference between miscarriage and stillbirth is if you are less than twenty weeks gestation, or um, the outcome of that pregnancy is less than 350 grams, um, then that's considered a miscarriage. If it's greater than that, 20 weeks or greater, or um, obviously that weight is heavier, then it's considered a stillbirth. And so obviously there's not really a determination on um, condition of child or baby or things necessarily like that. It's just mainly how long the pregnancy was able to um, have a heartbeat.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: And Justin, I noticed that you said experienced a stillbirth. I think that's is I think that's a really interesting way to look at it. Um, I always thought of it. I had a miscarriage. Is is that that nomenclature have some kind of meaning associated with it?
1: You know, I don't I don't think necessarily there's a a specific nomenclature to it. I believe that that we use that expression because it is it is truly a, an experience. Uh, every wave of grief every wave of moments of feeling like you are tied to this this individual this entity this child and the loss of that child carries so much of the the mental health journey that we see uh associated with grief everyone's journey is different everyone's experience is different but we all are in community with one another based on this shared experience of losing a child due to miscarriage or stillbirth, so I don't I don't think necessarily it's a, a, a known nomenclature change. Uh, where where my other tie uh, that I've talked about previously with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, there there is a change in expression or nomenclature mm-hmm. tied to died by suicide. Uh, I don't think that this this has a a formed. Like, this is how we express it. I just think that we see it as it it is a journey. It is an experience. And we want to walk alongside throughout that experience and that journey.
5: Well, and I think that using the word experience versus had makes it inclusive of everyone who's touched by it rather than just the woman whose body it happened to. It includes the family members, the spouse, the partner, the children, the everyone involved. So I don't know. I think I think that's a good thing to call it, really.
1: And, and I think that that is a, an amazing way to to explain it, Meredith, because there are so many people that are tied and associated parents, grandparents, close family members, friends that have have been part of the the pregnancy journey uh, staff. So, you know, you look at Stacey and Carly, you know, they have been part of the experience with families. Uh, so they are part of that experience and that journey because they've been tied to the family. So I i do, I love the way that you explain that, uh, because there are so many people associated to this one experience. Mm-hmm.
0: So can we go back just for a second? Um, so Stacy and Carly, can you talk a little bit about what you do at your role with Mary Greeley?
3: Um, our nurses that care for these patients um, have patients that they admit uh that go through the labor process but then also have the recovery process following that delivery and so a lot of the nurse we have on staff will care for mom throughout labor and then also care for mom and take care of baby following that delivery Um, our cares are obviously a little bit different when we have stillbirths and miscarriages um, and so assessments maybe are not completed in the same timely manner that they are um, after a delivery of a healthy newborn. But we still offer things such as uh, footprints to be collected. Um, we have molds that we can do of like the hands and feet and things like that. So those cares are a little bit different, but it is something to remember i guess that mom is still very important and so obviously her assessments and things have to continue she's still very important in how she is um recovering on top of that uh kind of terrible experience that they're going through at the same time
0: so carly what what is your title i'm a labor delivery nurse okay and so the bereavement Mm -hmm. part so that sounds like a really difficult job so what things do you do to take care of yourself
2: um, so one one back up a little bit, when Justin was talking about the experience of this, um, of a loss, he's absolutely right. Even though our job is to care for this, we are impacted as well. I've been, um, a labor and delivery nurse or manager for the last 10 years. And I can remember every single family that I've taken care of who, who've had a loss. So it, it impacts us as well.
0: And so what do you do to take care of yourself then? Because that's pretty heavy. Yeah.
2: yeah so as, as the manager of the unit, you know, and Carly being the coordinator, we really just try to offer emotional support for our staff. And, you know, we talk through what happened, what do you need, um, what can we do for you type of thing. Carly does an outstanding job of doing a bereavement a debriefing process after um, a loss and after that patient has been either delivered or discharged. So we just really work together as a team to make sure that we all support everyone um, during this time. Mm-hmm.
5: I'm really curious, um, as part of the bereavement um, counseling that you do or, or discharge process, um, what you resources you give them for after they leave the hospital?
3: We have, um, so we have some different flyers, uh, that we can offer them that just at the time, sometimes it's very difficult to speak with patients on, um, here's a number you can call tomorrow. Here's a number you can call in a week. We try to kind of leave that open to their comfort level, but we do give them local organizations such as the Fletcher Foundation and just like a phone number to contact if they need anything after they get home, whether that's days or weeks or months down the road. Um, but we also have adequate follow-up scheduled for them with their provider um, that they will come back and see them for some postpartum cares. And then as well on top of that, we are um, we like to send them out a card to let them know that um, the staff that took care of them is thinking of them, um, whether that be a month or six months down the road as well. So it's a folder that we provide to them that we tell them you don't have to read this today, but please just keep it. In your home and if you ever need anything you look through these numbers and there's people for you to call
1: and that's been a big part of my journey with the fletcher foundation as well as finding as many resources as i can and then passing a long word of those resources to anyone that is is directly connected to families that are experiencing this so uh there, during our our 5k uh, which i know we'll talk about in a little bit a part of <clears throat> what i'm hoping to do is bring some of those resource partners in so that we can have Mary Greeley connected directly to those those partners as well Uh, we have one so far uh, we're actively engaged with another that's just a couple of hours up the road and these are organizations that are providing support both locally in person virtual and nationwide virtual as well so it's a way in which we can ensure that there is that aftercare plan so like Carly was saying you know following up making sure that people are, are, are uh, taking care of themselves. I love that you're connecting it back to the mental health side, both for the clinicians, but also for the families as well, and ensuring that they are taken care of beyond this, this first, beyond this moment. Uh, and it's, again, that experience, that journey. So um, my role is truly connecting, connecting those dots and ensuring that families can be taken care of long term.
4: Speaking of um, the mental health aspect of this, uh, Meredith touched on this a little bit earlier, but in regards to the experience of a miscarriage and how all family members are involved, in my mind, I think who would have the most difficult experience, even debatably more so than the parents, would be any other uh, children that a family has. Like, if they're expecting a new sibling, and then suddenly that just vanishes like is is it more difficult to communicate with them about not just the the aspect of death but the aspect of a an absence of life like i think there's a difference there like you can lose something that you know happens but to to lose something before it even has that opportunity i think is sort of a very confusing and difficult to explain topic. So if what, there's a uh, way that you are able to do so with those younger audiences, I'd be really interested in learning more about that.
1: What a great question. And I know Carly you 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 were shaking your head and you're going to pop on to answer, which I definitely appreciate, <laughs> but I, that is an absolutely amazing question. Thank you for that.
3: Yeah, my, um, actual personal experience, which has been my big motivator in just trying to offer more services and things like that for our families was I am actually a big sister to, um, one of my younger brothers who was stillborn. So he was a perfect full term, um, baby boy that was born just right around his due date. And, um, he passed prior to delivering. And so, um, the hard part for me personally was I was 10 years old, so I was old enough to know what was going on, but still very confused at the aspect of my parents not bringing home um, another one of my little brothers. And what I've tried to tie into that uh, with the services we offer is we actually have books. Um, we have different things we provide to that family to take home to those siblings so that it is kind of a way of us honoring the sibling that they also have lost along with what their the parents are experiencing it's also very difficult for a child to see your parents so upset and not really have an answer as to why you know the problem or i guess kind of the big issue with going home and talking to their children other children is that they can't give them an exact reason why they didn't bring that baby home with them so some of these stories and books we offer are just something for that kind of tie in with their family
0: can you list some one of those One in 4 you said What
1: Correct.
5: was that Correct
1: uh, 1 in, one in 4 1 in 4 Yeah, 1 in 4, one in four families that are are pregnant uh, that that loss will happen in 1 in 4 during during the term at some point uh, That's unfortunately incredible. unfortunately most most of those experiences are early on prior to that that 20 week point um, I don't remember the exact numbers of the beyond twenty, but it's something like one in a hundred or so uh, are are in that range of stillbirth at that point. But the overall experience is one in four uh, are are a loss. So that's why it's so important that we do we talk about these things and and mm-hmm. the mental health side of it and both for for mothers, for fathers, for siblings, uh, sharing these experiences. And Carly, your story. I mean, it it hits me every time that you talk about it uh, because it's the reason that you got into this field, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. just love it. Mm-hmm. Um, so er- early on when I got to know <clears throat> uh, the the Phillips, I started doing a lot, um, as much reading as I could, and I've picked up several books on this topic. And one of those was the uh, the Brink of Being, talking about miscarriage by Julia Bueno. And uh, in that she said, uh, whatever the realness of what women and couples mourn by medical or cultural standards, this doesn't really matter when it comes to the realness of a relationship with her baby and the heartbreak of it not manifesting. So again, just tying it back to the experience and trying to make sure that families are as actively tied to mental health services and tied to those that can remove some of those financial burdens from them. Uh, is a is as much as we can give them to to be able to i i will never want to say move on that is not something that we want to say but at least be able to see the next see the opportunities that that can be in the future see the chances that they can have to move move forward uh move on is is never right. So uh but that is also why I wanted to make sure that we had uh Stacy and Carly from Mer- from Mary Greeley Medical Center on as our uh our signature let's call it signature sponsor. They are our lone sponsor right now which I'm super pumped about. Uh, <laughs> but as our signature sponsor it also was great to get to know what is happening with their birthways unit because as we look to uh, find other organizations that are doing similar work, what they are doing with their new unit is absolutely the the pinnacle of what we would want in that support during the experience. And I'm hoping Stacy and Carly can talk a little bit about what's going to happen with this new unit and specifically that that bereavement suite. Um, I don't know if that's what you're actually calling it, but that area that is uh, set up specifically for these uh uh, you have the right terms, but th- it's the spot that we want to make sure that families feel taken care of.
2: Yeah, so we can talk a little bit about that. Um, I think first I'll just mention a few things about our current state. So right now in our birthways unit, we, we don't really have anything designated for our um, parents going through the loss. So, I mean, they potentially could be in a normal, like normal, um, labor room just as somebody next door delivering a baby or whatever. Um, and we don't necessarily have a designated spot for Carly to do all of the things that she does, um, with the families or for the families. And so when we had been talking about that, we're going to build a new unit, that was something that we were very passionate about is making sure that we can incorporate, um, just something more tailored to these parents going through this loss. So I'll let Carly talk about the new unit, um, which we're opening on September
3: 21st. So Mm -hmm. we have a lot of really exciting things there. Um, Two things in particular that Stacy just touched on. We do have a designated specific laboring room for our bereavement families. Um, This room is located obviously directly on our unit, but it is going to be kind of in a separate little wing um, where they will have a little bit more privacy in the aspect that we're trying to prevent um, one mother laboring in a room directly next to another mother who just delivered and her newborn's crying every few hours, needing to eat and things like that. We know how triggering that can be, um, just hearing those sounds of a hospital. So our room is going to be a little bit, um, I should just say, like more private for those families. Yeah, more isolated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, um, we do have another designated room that's a family room. And so we're going to have just some extra like couch and chairs and things like that available in there. So when sometimes family members need to just kind of step out of the room and compose themselves, which we all know is inevitable when you're experiencing such a deep loss, uh, we have a specific private room for them to go to. In this room, we will be able to do footprints. We'll be able to offer photos taken of the baby, um, a lot of the molds, things like that, that I previously discussed. And so we just kind of have a specific kind of safe haven for those families that they can just kind of go themselves, be able to get away, but we also can bring baby down there um, and do the cares outside of the room while either mom or other family members need to um, continue to recover.
0: So this is September 21, that room is opening, and then what's happening around that same date, Justin?
1: Sorry. The following month uh, is the Fletcher's 5K, but also the following month, uh, back on September 28, 2006, the House of Representatives designated October 15th each year is Pregnancy and Infants Infant Loss Remembrance Day. So in honor of that, while also looking to create a a fundraiser, an opportunity to uh, help families that we are serving and increase the way in which we can assist families that are applying for services through the Fletcher Foundation, the Fletcher's 5K has been created. uh, That will be on October 16th. At Ada Hayden in Ames. And, uh, it's an official 5K, which is pretty exciting, uh, and overwhelming all at the same time because it's our, our first, our first go at it. Uh, but our, our hope is that we are able to, uh, increase the awareness of what we are doing to support families through this event. But again, also bring together community. Uh, those that have experienced loss, those that are people that are, are ancillary to the loss but want to support those families, uh, people that have it as something that they feel passionate about, we encourage them to come because we both have an official 5K but also a 1K Remembrance Walk as well. Uh, and at that event, we will also have the, uh, the resource uh, individuals available along with uh, a memory wall as well where individuals can be sharing uh, what they're running for what they're walking for uh, sharing words of encouragement for one another and just having that that spot in which they can come together in community and and see the support and love for one another Uh, we're really excited about the event again october 16th up at ada hayden in ames beautiful location uh absolutely amazing uh to, to be able to have this event there
0: does it start at 2.30 in the morning? Whew,
1: that'd be bright and early. Uh, 9 a.m. Okay. 9 a.m. will be the start time. Uh, the official run starts at 9.45 with the 1K walk uh, happening uh, just after that, just a little bit after that. If you've ever been to Ada Hayden, there's a, a perfect figure eight that is essentially a 5K. So there, there are several events every year that happen there. Uh, but the scenery couldn't be any better. So uh, we're really excited to be able to have this this uh, this event there and also be able to help the community get to know the things that are happening, both with the Fletcher Foundation, but also with Mary Greeley and the, the medical center that's right there in their community. Uh, so hoping that uh, we can make sure that people are aware of this event, October 16th, October 16th at 9 a.m. at Ada Hayden, uh, and glad to share more as well about what we're trying to do with the Fletcher Foundation.
5: Um, if somebody wants more information about the event, where can they find it?
1: Okay. So on Facebook, we do have uh, a page specifically for Fletcher's 5K. Fletcher's 5K. But we also have our Facebook page for the Fletcher Foundation. Uh, you can also go to the FletcherFoundation.org, and we have an events page there that will link directly to this 5K, Fletcher's 5K. Uh, We're gonna be sprinkling flyers throughout the community in Ames and and the surrounding Story County area along with here in Ankeny. Uh, So pay pay attention to there. We also have an Instagram account. Uh, So if you're looking for the Fletcher Foundation on Instagram, we are there as well. And we're on LinkedIn also. Uh, so I've been trying to get some posts out there on LinkedIn sharing with uh, with businesses or those that are connected to businesses that maybe this is something that they feel uh, a tie to I want to make sure that they're aware of it as well uh, but we are we are truly trying to make sure that we are sharing our mission out of bringing hope and support to families that are experiencing miscarriage or stillbirth
0: So why Ames? I mean, selfishly, I'm happy because I love Ada Hayden. I love that's a flat route as well. So as a runner, I'm quite happy there are no hills.
1: Um, But why Ames? Well, so part of it was the location. Um, Ada Hayden is absolutely beautiful. Uh, It is outside of the metro area, which, you know, the Des Moines metro has so many events going on. Uh, which is fantastic, but we wanted to provide runners with something different, but also we wanted to connect to the Ames community because it is it is just north of where we are are located and it's uh, a, with Mary Greeley, it is a perfect opportunity to connect to the large medical community uh, within a, a community that we know doesn 't really know a lot about us, so we want to make sure that we bring that awareness to them but as i 've gotten to know, Mary Greeley. I think it's also important that we are ensuring that the community has an understanding of what they are doing for uh Central Iowa 4 Story County uh because they are really capturing a lot of a lot of why the Fletcher Foundation exists Mary Greeley is actually capturing which I greatly appreciate that but why Ames location is absolutely perfect
0: I thought you going to say cuz I'm here, Justin yeah. that would have been a great answer cuz Anna's there and it's because and Anna's Daniel, there and K to do have to say, so Mar- uh, Mary Greeley, so you, uh, your facility won the Malcolm Baldridge Award, and so my dad is a huge fan of the Malcolm Baldridge, and so very impressed that I live in Ames in a hospital that received the Malcolm Baldridge Award. But I see that Daniel is leaning forward, and, I, and he always asks great questions or responses. So I feel like brilliance is happening down in that square. Is that right, Daniel?
4: There's something that has been on my mind a bit, and it's um, going to deviate from the current topic a bit, but this is going to be another heavy aspect of an already heavy topic, so apologies for that regard. But um, uh, Carly and Stacey, it is no secret that we are still living in what many folks called unprecedented times, with the pandemic still happening, and... For all that I have read, for all of the information that's available, I don't know if there's a connection between the virus and pregnancy, whether whether it has an effect in stillbirth and miscarriage, whether it has an effect after a baby is successfully born. Has there been an impact that was caused by this pandemic, and if so what has Mary Greeley or you two specifically been able to do to help counter it?
2: So yeah, great question. There really hasn't been um, any supportive evidence-based research that shows that the the virus COVID-19 has increased the number of um, miscarriages or stillbirths. So for that aspect, no, we haven't seen you know anything different. Um, as far as like what our hospital had been going through the last um, you know year and a half or so, you know, we, when COVID first started, we basically shut down all visitors. We didn't have, we didn't allow anyone else to come up here. And Birthways did make that exception for those parents um, going through a loss because they need that support. So even throughout the entire pandemic, we have still allowed families to have that support when they need it.
4: I'm very grateful to hear that because like, we we talk a lot about how the virus affects like our lifestyles and things like that. But the fact that life does not just always stop because of a massive change is something that I think we kind of take for granted a lot of the time. Because yeah. if we sometimes if we do not have that exact that exact um, feeling, that exact experience that was had, we can just say, well, it's it's just another aspect. It's something you're going to have to put on the wayside and focus on the here and now. But that is the here and now for somebody. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you are, in you were, I should say, still treating those people with the respect and the care and the time that they deserved is something that I believe you should be applauded for. And even though I was not affected personally, I would still like to thank you for doing so.
2: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, really, our process didn't change much because of the pandemic um, as far as caring for
5: um, these patients. What's a typical stay like for someone who has a still birth because I know like when I had my babies I stayed for like two days and then I went home is that still the standard of care
2: yeah I mean it just every every situation every experience is different um so we really just give the family as much time as they need some families, you know, shortly after delivery, even a few hours are like, you know, I want to go home. The hospital setting can be very triggering. triggering. Yep. And so they're, they want to <laughs> go home. They want to be with their family. They want to be with their loved ones. And that's fine. Other families um, stay a day or two. And that's fine too. We just, we really just um, support them and, and do what they f- they want to and what they feel comfortable with. So there's really not a black and white answer.
3: <laughs> and a mother who delivers uh, vaginally versus by cesarean, obviously her stay is going to be a little different as well. Um, these patients uh, have great communication and speak with their providers. I mean, obviously, continuously during this um, circumstance, I guess. Uh, and so their provider will tell them when it's okay to leave. Some providers may say, you know, it's been six hours since you delivered, you are medically stable. I think it's okay for you to go home. Other providers may feel more comfortable wanting their patients based on how they are recovering to stay for a full 24 hours. So like Stacy said, it really is just kind of the comfort level of both the patient and the provider. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: With that um, being said as well, it's kind of hard to think of being in that hospital and having your baby that was just born not with you anymore. Um, something that Mary Greeley offers that we do on birthways is we have a cuddle cot available. So whether a mother is going to stay for a few hours or she needs to stay for a day or two, we actually have this um, service that it brings in a small little cot that sits next to mom's bedside and her baby can stay with her the entire time she's in the hospital stays right in there in the room. Um, the baby just needs to be placed in the cuddle cot, its own personal bassinet for, um, kind of a specific amount of time. And that just helps keep the baby at its current condition based on when it was born. Mm
5: -hmm. Wow. Um, I'm also really curious about the stigma surrounding miscarriage. Um, I understand that's probably something people don't talk about often. And this question is for Justin. Um, because not because they're ashamed but because it's just really painful um and so i'm curious to know like your experience in terms of how do you how do you talk to other people about it people who aren't necessarily in that inner circle i mean you're you were pregnant and you were working and then you went on maternity leave and then you came back and there was no baby i mean like how do you have that conversation with your coworkers, with your neighbors with people who aren't really in your intimate circle
1: Boy, and that idea of maternity leave and paternity leave, that's, that's a whole nother topic that we could probably spend another hour on, um, along with certificate of, of stillbirth, which is, uh, in several states going through legislation to provide families with proof that this child, this child was a child. Um, there, so there's a lot more that we could go into, but, um, I, I, Mourn for families that, that are going through this experience because the blame becomes such an easy thing for us to fall into, uh, blaming ourselves for why this happened, uh, blaming our, our spouse or, or significant other, uh, for, for why these things happened. And, and many times there is no, there is no logical reason. For why this experience has happened to you, um, being one in four, uh, there are there's so much study that is being done for for the why, and getting at the why. And organizations like the Star Legacy Foundation are, are partnering on developing a a huge database to help us drill down data to find reasons why, uh, and and work with clinics, but ultimately for for the mental health side it's trying to bring people together in community and remind them that they're not alone and that this is no, uh, through no fault of their own these experiences are are happening and are prevalent uh but it doesn't make you any less you are you are loved i was good. you are appreciated you are a mom you are a dad you are uh you you have this child that you will always remember and this experience that you are you have shared with others, uh, you you are not alone. Um, and and I do think that there are some truly incredible books that walk through this journey, this experience uh, that are are heart wrenching, but also provide the humanistic feel to the entire experience. Uh, Emma Hansen's "Still," a memoir of love, loss, and motherhood. Uh, Emma Hansen's done a ton of work in, in sharing this out. She's uh, had a, a very well-known blog for years and uh, she's pulls no punches in the book with her experience, uh, with every moment of her entire pregnancy journey and her loss. Um, and, and it just, it, it hurts because you feel like in the moment you are alone and you're the only person that's going through it. But people like Stacy, people like Carly are the first ones there to hold, hug, love, and remind them that they're, that they're not alone. So we do need to make sure that we're in as much support of proactive measures as possible. Um, so so talking about these things like what Star Legacy is doing or, or other organizations similar, but then also making sure that we do have those that are here to support in the, the aftercare. So Fletcher Foundation's a great example of providing those hope boxes to applicants that that we are reaching out to, uh, that have uh, a a bracelet, a book, a, a journal. Because that is a huge thing that I know clinics have mentioned. You need to be journaling your experience and what you're feeling because what you're feeling is true and it's yours. And you need to have that so that when you are able to get to that next spot in your journey, you can look back and say, it's okay. We were able to do this. We were able to move move forward together. Um, and we packed that with a resource list to make sure that they're aware of everything that they can connect to for support groups locally and nationwide. So I think that it is critical for us to continue to, from a mental health side, support both the proactive and understanding why these things happen, but also being there in support of others uh, that are going through the experience currently.
0: So Carly, so while Justin's talking about resources like Emma Hansen, would you mind going back to Daniel's point, a couple of the books for siblings that you share?
3: Uh, One of the books that I'm thinking of in particular we just got is called The Red String Theory. Um, And that book talks about, um, it's a child's book, so it's colorful photos, and it talks about how uh, you can still be connected with someone even when they're not here. And so it mentions uh, loss very in general in the book about how that connection of not having either grandma or grandpa home anymore. And then also brings up in the storyline um, not having their sibling at home anymore. And so it's a wonderful book that just kind of explains loss in a kind of different perspective for kids. So it helps them feel justified in their emotions and then also that they'll always be connected. I need
0: that book in general. I haven't even read and see the illustrations and I want to start getting teary about it. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's it a is. really
1: good book. Good Absolutely.
0: story. So speaking
5: of loss, I think um, that a lot of people are not really good at dealing with it. And I don't mean the person who's had the loss. I mean mm-hmm. the people around the person. People don't know what to say. People don't know how to help. Mm-hmm. People stand on the edge, thinking, oh, this is super awkward. I want to help, but I don't know what to do what suggestions do you have for people who want to help what can they say what can they do
1: so what what i think you learn and i'm sure carly will will mention this is that there's no tried and true and and stacy i know you'd say the same too like there is no one thing that you can do other than showing up and when they don't want you to show up it's okay allow them that space Mm -hmm. but I, I do think that the the one thing that you can always do is show up and love yes it's going to be awkward yes you're going to sit in those moments of awkwardness but just showing up and being available not asking what you can do because I think that what 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 our experience was, what you see in in books uh, as you might go through, what I'm sure Stacy and Carly have experienced is you can't articulate what you need when you're in that moment in the experience. When you experience a miscarriage or a stillbirth, there's no way for you to articulate what you need in that moment, but you simply just want uh, a hug, want a person to sit alongside you, uh, want a, a a person to provide you with a, a blanket uh, when when you need it. Just these small things that can be done when you show up.
0: Mm, it's so powerful. Uh, I think just in general, and saying that you're loved, that you're not alone. Um, and Daniel, you and and I am able. Iowa show we talk about that a lot in those beginning shows. And so, what are you thinking?
4: Um Justin there's something I'd like to ask you because I know yeah. you have experience um I it says on your email address and you are not shy about sharing that you are a member of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Yeah. So I I think there's um quite a few similarities that can be found in these two circumstances like the the dealing with a sudden loss the the struggle to find solace or community or something to hold on to in those um worst of times so yes. does does your experience in both of these fields like i it, it's it is not worth my asking if there is an overlap there that is obvious but i'm more wondering more about like anything more specific anything that you're able to get specifically from one side to another that can really help when you're communicating with someone or when you're trying to sympathize or empathize with somebody that you've just met or that you're trying to learn more about?
1: Uh, so the the parallels, aside from the uh, the just be there, is uh, allowing people to share whatever they would like to share. Uh, if you want to share the the loved one's name in remembrance, that is a wonderful thing. If you want to just vent and you're laying things out and and you're uh, you are the person on the other end where the the language is coming out and you're not you're not expecting it. It's uh, taking a breath and recognizing that this is part of that individual's journey and it is not connected directly to you, but simply allowing yourself to be the sounding board. Is allowing that person to feel the comfort to let those emotions go, to let those emotions out and to not feel like they have to hold those things in. That is a true carryover between both of these. So I, I definitely appreciate the question, but that's, that's really where the tie is on the individual who is there, the individual who is showing up. Being there is one thing, but then just allowing everything to flow out and not taking that personally. Not allowing yourself to come up with the yeah buts or uh, the the um, the well maybe's, you know, uh, just allow them to share. Right. Allow exactly. them to share whatever they would like.
4: Yeah, I, I think that's um, in my college experience. There is a there's a very early class that you take in my major. It's even a 100 level one, and it's just called listening. And sometimes I think that's an art that we often don't pay enough attention to, and even in this regard, as you say, like, when someone is venting, when someone is letting out those emotions, like, sometimes it is in our human nature to want to respond in what we think could be, I don't know, a logical manner or something, but like, there's another element that we talk about a lot, which is Kairos which is the element of time when speaking. So, like, they say there's a time and a place for everything, and you have to know that there is a time when you just need to listen and to let people speak, to let people emote, as you say. Like, we've talked a lot about uh, sorrow in this episode, but I think there's just as much validity in anger and frustration. Yeah. Like, you 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 say you know there's one in four but when it happens to you it happens personally you think you're being targeted yes and so as a result you you might have that frustration you might just want to to scream at the world and at whatever cruel individual or deity is doing this to you specifically and again if if you're someone who has to take the the, the brunt of that I think the best thing as as you've said is just to listen and to do your best not to take it personally because yeah. that's something they need to do and I think it is a very unfortunately a very select few people in this day and age that are able to do that willingly and without any judgment on their own end.
1: Daniel, well said. Ab- absolutely beautiful and and uh, Brene Brown has a great example of empathy versus sympathy. It's a real short video. So if anyone gets a chance to go out there and watch that, you're, that's exactly what we need more of is just being a listening ear. We try so hard to have all the answers. These are not situations where we have the answers and we don't need to provide those answers. We simply just need to be there. To, to be a, a shoulder, to be an ear, to be a sounding board. And Stacey and Carly, it, it, if I'm steering wrong at all, let me know. But I wanted to make sure that, you know, in my experience through these journeys, that's a big part of it is simply just allowing these things to flow out so they're not kept inside and they're not bottled up.
3: And something that we actually um, speak with staff about as well when they are taking care of some of these patients is it's uh can be make can make them feel a little uncomfortable, but it's okay to be comfortable with silence. So just that goes along with those kind of that theory of just being present. So you don't have to go in and be talking the whole time. Just be next to them. Well, well and I
5: think part of it is is um we as humans like to avoid pain. Mm-hmm. Um and so we're all like No, 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 it's going to be okay. But, um, the point I think of going through something like this is not to fix it because you can't. Right. Um, you have to go through the feels to get to the end of that tunnel and it's going to be dark, but you have just have, you have to go through it. That's just how it works. And going through it with somebody means standing next to them, not, you know, holding up a sign saying, no, 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 go over here. Like I always tell myself, like I'm, I'm in graduate school right now, working on my um, master's in counseling and therapy, um, and so like I'm always like take a deep breath and count to six, <laughs> like wait, and usually silence will be filled, not
0: by me. Well, I'm gonna fill it head. for a second, um, and just say so we because we're almost out of time. So Justin, tell us a little bit more where they can get information about the 5K that's coming up to support the work of the Fletcher Foundation.
1: Thank you so much. So Fletcher's 5K, you can find information at thefletcherfoundation.org. You can also find us on Facebook and on Instagram. And on Facebook, there is also a a page specifically devoted to Fletcher's 5K as well. Uh, So if you just type in Fletcher's 5K, you'll be able to find us and learn more about the event on October 16th uh, at Ada Hayden, beginning at 9 a.m., so Fletcher's 5K with the Fletcher Foundation, and I love the fact that we were able to talk about this topic in such depth, and uh, and, and and not bat an eye. I mean, this this was a true raw conversation. Uh, but we are greatly indebted to Mary Greeley Medical Center for their support of our our 5K, this uh, this first in-person, second annual 5K, and. Uh, we can't thank uh, you all enough at KHOI. And uh, thank you to each of the three team members that have joined us today in this call. And Fletcher's 5K, I hope, will, will be an amazing event where people can come together in community. Fletcher's 5K, the Fletcher Foundation.org. Yes. So thank thank
0: you, you so much.
5: Oh, Justin ahead. Bogers and Carly P- uh, Carly Cousins and Stacey Peterson from Mary Greeley for joining us today. This is KHOI Story City Ames. You've been listening to I Am Able, Iowa. I Am Able, Iowa airs the first and last Saturday mornings of each month at 9 a.m. on KHOI 891 FM. You can also hear us streaming live online at KHOIFM.org. On the Saturdays in the middle of the month, please tune into Insight of the Mind, Julie Saxton, who provides valuable information about mental health issues.
0: Our I Am Able Iowa music was composed and performed by Sean Ryan. I am Able Iowa is brought to you by Barbara Wright, Iowa Able Foundation, Able Up Iowa, Kurt Soderberg, Lynn Van Clark, and we thank Samantha Edwards who's joined our team as a researcher. Also, next Saturday we can listen to Todd Nowak, who is the executive director of Life Connections Peer Recovery Services. So we'll look forward to having Todd on the program. So thank you for listening, and until next time, this is Anna Magnuson. Daniel had and Meredith Frankham saying, "You are a boy